Hello and welcome to the Farmer and Smurfer. I'm Tom Mead from County Mead and this week I was sort of looking for that thing to link all the stories together as if it was a river flowing down a stream because that's the way we want to sort of chat about it. And this week there was a lot of a hooing and doing. We were chatting to a lot of people but we were also doing a lot because this week it's the end of our midterm or the start of our midterm should I say. We have a two week break. So therefore there was a lot of projects coming in together and you may remember last week it was on about how we were pitching our idea to the lecturer our business idea you know this was the end of our seven week journey so it was wonderful even to see what other people were doing that and I was even amazed by how scripted and even everyone was so rational rather than behaviour and you might think that's sort of a mad concept because it's a business school and everything should be very rational but I, I don't feel it like it was a pitch you know rather than a presentation it was a pitch and I think the most important thing in terms of a pitch is well, you have to draw them in by behaviour. And then you get into the rationale of it. And it was wonderful. We were actually watching a video with Simon uh, Sink. Um, you can Google him. He'd done a TED Talk. And it was on about how, you know, Apple and how to use... Imagine you have these three circles, right? And each of them are inside each other. And you have washed on the outside. So what's the operation? What does your company do? And then inside that you have how. You know, how you do it. What, like what what difference does your company do? What sets you apart? And even linking that to this 10% difference we were chatting about with the marketing people. And then inside that is why. And he mentioned how Apple always go from the inside out. While companies often say, you know, they build great computers. That's what they do. And then what sets them apart? They're well designed and user friendly. And then they tell you, and you should buy them, you know, because they're the best IT developers. But instead of that, Apple say, everything we do is to challenge and to think differently. So that's the why. Then they say how we do it, you know, and they're well designed and are user friendly. And then what is it? They just say, like, as a result, we design wonderful brilliant the best computers but it works from the why to the how to the what because people buy the why like every company does the what what you you have so many competitors if you just concentrate on the what even if you're a farmer you produce food but everyone feckin produces food but how how you do it might be a bit different but why 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 that's the thing people want to buy in that's the behaviorist that's how you get the sale because you need to say why then you move into everything else but yeah we'll we'll chat about that in a minute and and i'm very passionate in terms of how that's even presented and even from my ucd debating days i think that is key and perhaps it's a very academic thing you know and i mentioned that before how Perhaps in a more prestigious school, it's so focused on the rationale that people lose sight of the behaviour. Because I think that is crucial. That's why Unilever are blue. I mentioned this before. Facebook are blue. Zoom is blue. Twitter is blue. When you go into your bathroom, if you look at your shampoo and your soap products, an awful lot of them are either blue or green because they know that colour is the first thing people see. And blue and green symbolise trust. Symbolise you can believe us. You should have faith in us. We're natural. Because they realise the first thing people see 
is the behaviour. Then they read the bottom of the packet or the back of the pack and then they get their rationale. But the first thing is behaviour. It's same with a salesperson comes into you. They're not going to go straight into um well what what the product is and and all that. No, they're they're gonna chat and they're you know, maybe you don't have time for that. Maybe that's a bit hairy fairy. But the the salesperson has to be able to adapt to that, obviously. But the behaviour is the first thing. Even from how they walk, their appearance, their attitude. That's all behaviour. If they come in and start cursing at you and they have bad behaviour, you're not, you're not going to listen to them. But if someone comes in and, and you get along with them, well then you're more likely to listen. So that sort of encapsulated a lot of how we presented and pitched. Because pitched, it's not, it's not presented. I should, I should get that out of the way. Look, some people, and, and maybe it's just me, but I think there is a difference between presenting and pitching. You know, presenting, you're showing your results. You're showing what you've researched in a chronological order. It's A, then B, then C, then D. But pitching is different. Pitching is the story. Pitching is the why, then the how, once you've captured them then, then you give them the information. Because if, if you say you're going to present something, people are willing to listen. People have took that agreement into their own head that they are going to give you whatever length of time, 5, 10, 15 minutes to listen to what you've already studied. But a pitch, people are willing to give you an opportunity to capture their attention and then once you've done that they will then reconsider how much time they're going to give you that's the way I think it is I think a presentation people know what they're getting in for a pitch they don't I t- that, that's how I feel it anyway so it would be wonderful to see how that plays out in the end and I think a lot of that even comes from my upbringing even I go into secondary school in St. Oliver's in Drada and community college and for people that know it will know it's not the most, what would you call it, uh, swanky school around. Not at all. And Drada is in the news lately for not so great. But you get all sorts of people, all sorts of cultures and diversity. And what I found is I could chat to any of them. And even I was in classes with some of them and Janie... Um, some of these lads and lassies, they were mad crack. And they'd present something. And it could be a load of rubbish. But you would be so entertained. You'd honestly want to go up and ask them more about what they were doing. And what they were looking up. And what they were researching by the end of it. Now they went to so extreme that you didn't probably concentrate at all. You were just entertained. It was like a comedian up there. But you were always entertained and if someone got up there and then came up and did their presentation and it was so you know a then b then c it flattened it now it almost did well because it was so different that flatness was okay that it was a change in tempo which actually worked but in college and in a more swanky spot like smurfett everyone that's there, I feel, is that chronological. 
is that A then B then C. And I don't know if it's just me, but if there's no spirit, it's flat. Now, if, if you're asking me, who, who do you want your Minister for Finance to be? Yeah, you probably want them to be, or your accountant or your doctor, you probably want them to be matter of fact A then B then C, but that's okay for a presentation for a certain amount of presentations if it's talking about what operation you're going to do on something then you very much go that way and even we done that with ours when we got into finance we were very chronological we were very A and B and C when we were on about our marketing strategy we were very A and B and C but at the start when you want to capture people's attention you want to get them to bite into it you want to give them a taste of what it is we're doing and why it is we're doing it then I think it is important not to be chronological, but in fact to be a story. And sometimes a story is chronological. Sometimes a story, you know, you, you get in your car, you leave the house, I went up the road, I went to the shop. Sometimes that's A and B and C, but it's a journey rather than just rationale. And that sort of linked me then to the whole marketing thing. And we had Jane uh, Manzer in, and that she's from Manzer Marketing, wonderful person in Kildare, and how to do marketing for the Irish game, and they done it for Allure Chocolates, and so many other food companies. And I'd say other companies as well. And they'd go in, and they'd sit down with a business, and they'd work through, you know, the big thing, like, what is your brand? And this is a wonderful description, right? This this is the type of stuff I actually love leaving the whole topic on, but I'll give it to you as now. Because this is a bit different. This, I I feel like I sort of gotten a bit of a wonder there at the start. So we're just going to keep flowing with it. But what she said was, a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. I thought that was wonderful. Like you can even take that personally. I mean, what's your brand? It's what people think of you when you're not there. You know, it's just what comes to their mind. But if you've too much going on, if your brand represents too much, then when you leave the room, because that's what it is, you know, when people leave the room, what do you think? Yeah, if you've too much, people are going to be muddled up. They're not going to be able to think what they think of you. They're not going to be able to think of what they think of your brand. So therefore, it's important to have your three pillars or four pillars, whatever it is, that when you leave the room, when your brand or when your company leaves the room, this is what people remember. People go, that's your brand and that represents this, this and this, whether it's environment, whether it's your product, whether it's what you do and why you do it. That is your brand. And it's important not to confuse the whole lot. And it was wonderful even her experience with different businesses and how they'd come into a room and they'd sit down and there might be different managers and they all have different concepts of what the whole aim of this business is what it is we do why it is we do it and they might have so many different ones and it's important to sit down with each of them and to figure that out figure out what is important to them I know that with Kyo's Crisps as we're doing the marketing project for them this year and I was listening to a talk that someone from Kyo's done in DCU I can't remember the name of the person that done it and they were on about how a marketing strategic person came in to work with them about how they brand their business and sat down with each of them separately and the first thing that popped up with them was the whole thing of this is a family farm and family grown potatoes and that was 
their whole story, if you will. So that's the important role behind them. And it was interesting as well. After the whole pitch, and it was interesting how Jane mentioned how research drives strategy. That if you know the sector, you know what the opposition, you know what you have, you know both internal and external, then you know, and then you can figure out what way to drive forward. And I saw it asked, which I thought was quite a good question. And some people even said to me, it was, it was quite a good question because I said, well, if I was a business, why would I bother going to you? Like, I just feel like if it's so much about the research, why don't they do it themselves? And I suppose that's what a lot of big businesses do. They do it themselves. They have that department. But for a smaller business that can't devote so much time and expertise on market. And like Jane has 20 plus years with Unilever and other big companies. And you're bringing in that fresh thinking. You're bringing in someone that'll look at a problem from a different viewpoint. That, I suppose, is what these whole marketing strategic people is about. And... Their whole thing as well was not only marketing, but managing that. And crucially, measuring it. You need to measure how it performs. And Jane spoke about, she wants targets. She wants the person to say, I'd love a 10% increase in sales in this area. And that gives you something to work for. So whether it's your budget or what. At least you have a goal. You have a focus of mind. You have something that you can measure. Otherwise, you could spend a load of money marketing something and you don't know if your return really came from that or it came from something else you done. Perhaps a competition went out of the market and therefore you can expand your supply. Well, that might have increased sales, but your marketing department might think, well, that's down to them. So that's an important aspect as well to have about you. But that whole research drive strategy and was on about different tools they use like Google Trends and PwC and even Borbia reports. And I just spoke about how Borbia have reports there and research there that a company had spent thousands of euro to produce. And it's all just freely available. And even looking at EU trade fairs and seeing what future trends are coming down the line. And that's so similar to even to how the whole Cali Cali company we were chatting about there a couple of weeks ago and how they looked at California being the epicenter for innovation and seeing what they can bring from there to the forefront in a quicker movement to be ahead of the curve but that whole measurement is key you know that's that's even similar to the lean startup again see how everything links together build measure learn and this is funny how it all links together. And I remember when I was watching Tommy Tiernan, I remember how he'd done an interview about, he obviously was big enough at the time. And somebody said to him, just get up and be funny. That's what the crowd wants you to do. They don't want you to go quoting Shakespeare or anything like that. They want you to be funny. He knows what his brand is. And that gave him the platform now to diversify and to even questions and all that sort of stuff and he even though he has that intrigue and whether it's reading Ulysses or whatever but the whole brand is you watch Tommy Tiernan and you're waiting for some comic genius from him 
and whether that's by shock, a boldness, a variety, but you're expecting that laugh. And even though you look at, and sometimes it gets, like you're you're listening to a personal conversation and it gets dark and it gets sad sometimes, but you're waiting for that comic, that even that in a way, perhaps his brand is spontaneous, spontaneousism, is that a word, spontaneous, that is what it's all about, and that is Tommy's 10% difference, that is what sets him apart, that's why when you watch The Late Late Show, you follow this chronological order, but when you watch Tommy Tiernan, you open your mind up for and could happen which links again back to the what how and why and my previous inspiration with Tommy Tiernan and Sean Boyle and how Simon spoke about how leaders use the why and to get people to buy into that as I spoke about with Apple everything we do is to challenge and to think different and then from that they build great computers and that's what you buy into and I felt that with Sean Bylan. And I remember actually meeting Sean Bylan at a game. And it was wonderful. It was a camogie game in Dunbine. Mead camogie team were playing. And I went up and I was chatting to him. And we spent the whole game chatting. We even spent half time chatting. And people went and walked by. And people that Sean knew. And he just waved and he st- stayed chatting to me. And I was, I was in awe of this man who was so generous with his time and his patience. And he spoke about how the trees on the opposite side of the field were growing in such a direction. And about the minerals in the ground and on about how he went overseas and got different herbs from different countries and how he works with them. And he also spoke about how he felt what was the right time to bring in Trevor Giles and Graham Gertie and how he developed them people. But you really bought into the why. He just said that airtiness and even talking about going out to the Betty's Down Beach and going into the sea and getting the magnesium into the joints and into the muscles and going up to the hill of Tara to get the power from the Ryle County. I don't know if that is up there or not. It's nice to think it is and I suppose that's a belief but it's a why. It's a buy-in and even talking about the four in a row games when Mead was playing Dublin and went into three replays and finally Mead won with a Kevin Foley goal but the weekend before that they went to Scotland on a holiday and they were drinking and singing and dancing and all that because it was about building that collectiveness and that each player bought into each other it wasn't about what it was we were going to do or it wasn't about we're going to do 15 100 meter sprints no one remembers that but they remember the whole buy-in them 100 meter sprints were part of it but it was that was the next level the first level was the why then they went and trained like madmen then they went and ran laps that's how they done it and then what they done well, they've made a blooming great football team. But they first nerded with the why. And I suppose that even builds a great leader. 
So we'll keep this short and sweet because it's a lovely and sunny out there. We're calving, we're lambing, we're also cutting sticks. Well, because, well, I don't know if we're going to be lighting a fire just in the moment, but we'll have them for next winter, I suppose. But I'm going to wish you all the best. And I'll chat to you next week. I better figure out something to chat about because we're on our midterm. I might bring in a few things that we done over last semester or this semester. And there's loads of other stuff I never even bothered chatting about because I just thought, I'll leave it, you know? And I'll leave you on that. I'm Tommy Mead from County Mead and this is the Farmer and Smurfer Podcast.